This is the 261 Fearless Voices podcast, dedicated to fearless women around the world. Thank you very much for joining us today. We are pleased to tell you that we have created podcast versions of our popular 261 Fearless Empowerment Talks. These talks with high-profile, influential and inspirational women were made in association with Adidas and they've been streamed on YouTube. So if you prefer, you can head to our 261 Fearless YouTube channel to watch them there. But for those of you who like to tune into the audio, perhaps you're out on a run or driving in the car, you can enjoy them right here. and a very warm welcome to the 261 Fearless Empowerment Talks. I'm Juliet McGratton, your host today, and on behalf of 261 Fearless, I'd like to say thank you very much for joining us for what I know is going to be a very interesting and thought-provoking half an hour. 261 Fearless is a global network which uses running to unite and empower women around the world. We're passionate about improving the health and well-being of women and very keen to use our global platform for education. So our 261 Fearless Empowerment Talks are going to be a series of talks with influential, high-profile women in sport, business, leadership roles, so we can use their knowledge to inform, motivate and inspire us. Now, I'm very delighted that today we've got with us Dr. Zoe Williams, who I know will be familiar to our viewers from the UK. Um, but by way of introduction, I would like to uh, ask Zoe a few short questions. Sure, that's okay. Of course. Yeah. First so, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Lovely to have you, Zoe. Uh, could you just tell us your occupation? Um, yes, yeah, so I do various different things. First and foremost, I'm a GP um, and I work in clinical practice, but then as a GP, I have a GP role that's non-clinical as well, so more of the leadership roles. I work with various organisations such as Public Health England, the Royal College of GPs and my local CCG, which is kind of the commissioning where I work locally. And those roles are mostly around physical activity, lifestyle medicine in general, um, and physical health. And on top of that, I do some work in the media. So I work as one of the resident doctors on a TV show here in the UK called This Morning, and another show on BBC Two called Trust Me, I'm a Doctor. And I'm really interested in improving physical activity levels in young people, especially young girls. Wow, you're busy. Yes. <laughs> or have it any other way. <laughs> and what, what are your passions in life? Um, I mean, my passions are really around using physical activity for health. I think a lot of the, um, the fit, healthy, educated, affluent people that we see in gyms, that we see out running, you know, I don't see my interest or passion in helping those people to get fitter or to be more elite or to succeed and get better running times. My passion is really around taking physical activity to people whose lives can be improved by being more active, whether it's mm -hmm. for their health, their mental health, for raising their aspirations or general well-being. And what do you do yourself to, to keep fit? What's your chosen sports? A bit of everything. I used to be a rugby player. Mm -hmm. um, that led me on to being, I got to be a gladiator 10 years ago, but I was on the show Gladiators as Amazon. Um, but nowadays, it's it's whatever I can time, find time for, really, sure. whatever I can mm -hmm. fit in. So I go, to, I go to Fitness First Gyms, which are all around London, and always have my gym kit. And I'm just quite opportunistic. And yeah. 
I'll do a bit of yoga, I'll, I'll do some weights, um, and I'll do some running, whatever I can squeeze in, and I try and train three times a week, but also I do a lot of walking, I mm -hmm. walk everywhere. So running's, you know, what 261 Phyllis uses to unite women, do, do you enjoy running? Yeah, um, do you know what, I never used to really enjoy running mm -hmm. that much. It was something that I associated with improving my fitness, um, especially when I was competing. Um, it was something that, that was a crucial part of my training. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, I've almost turned it on its head. Mm -hmm. Running is a bit of a, a release for me. It's the one thing, yeah. if I get home quite late, it's always accessible, it's on my doorstep, I've got a beautiful park near where I live. And my latest thing is running without my phone. It's just really freeing and liberating, yeah. So I enjoy running, I don't do, I do, I do park runs sometimes, um, and I don't really do long distance running, but it'll be 20 minutes, half an hour, getting outside and, you know, very freeing. So one thing we discovered at the 261 Fearless Clubs around the world is that a lot of the women come to us and they have been put off exercising mm -hmm. from a young age. Yeah. So they don't identify with sport, they don't feel able or comfortable doing it. And a lot of them have a very negative association or experience of sport, often from their school days. Yeah. Um, and we then have to kind of try and convince them that, you know, exercise is for everybody. Yeah. But what, I just wonder, what was your experience at sport at school? Have you always enjoyed it? I, was, I feel very lucky that um, I had Personally, I had a very good experience of sport and physical activity at school. Um, I think partly down to the fact that I always had pretty good ability. I was able to do more, more sports that I tried. I had a fantastic PE teacher, which helped a lot as well. And, and my friends were sporty, so I was part of the, well, I think when I was at school, I was part of the sporty gang, the naughty gang, and the, the, the gang that did quite well academically, a bit of everything. Um, but a lot of my friends, certainly, saw that and, and girls that I played rugby with to a high level who were very much put off sport early in their mm -hmm. school days but then came to it later on mm -hmm. um, but I think that's that was big a big problem that a lot of women are put off sport physical activity exercise movement mm -hmm. from a very young age from bad experiences and they never come back mm -hmm. to it mm -hmm. and I know you're doing I'll talk about it later but I know you're doing a lot of work with girls in sport yeah. um, and from your experience in that role, is it still the same now? Are there still lots of girls being put off sports school? Yeah, 100. If anything, I think it's probably worse mm -hmm. because being a teenager now, I can't even imagine how difficult it is. The, the lack of self-esteem, the lack of confidence, the feeling of constantly being judged mm -hmm. by others, I think the problems are much worse now than when we were at school. Mm. What, what, what do you think it is particularly that's putting them off? I mean, we could probably talk for hours about that, but what are some of the common themes that yeah. seem to be preventing? I mean, we, we've done the research, we, we've mm. asked the girls with Fit for Life, that's one of the first things we do is we go in and we ask them what are your motivators to mm. being involved in physical activity and what are the barriers? And what always comes up, the top two are always confidence um, and lack of self-esteem and being judged by others. Mm -hmm. It's 90% of girls when asked want to be more active, mm -hmm. but it's all these barriers that are getting mm -hmm. in the way. And when we ask them about what motivates them to be active, the thing that always comes up first is fun, not surprisingly. Mm -hmm. And what comes up second is goals, achieving goals, um, which is something I was finding quite surprising because I think that's, when we were at school, we didn't really necessarily 
set our own goals. Um, but yeah, they like to set goals and aim towards achieving them. Um, but it's got to be fun. And I think the fun school PE isn't necessarily always fun. Mm -hmm. So that making something fun, setting goals in a way to sort of tempt them back in, are there other things that we can do to try and encourage them back? I think the most important thing we can do with young girls, and in particular teenage girls, because that's where we see the worrying statistics. Mm -hmm. um, we see between the ages of five and seven, only 23% of girls are active enough for good health. So that's achieving the 60 minutes of activity that children require every day. Mm -hmm. By the time they reach the ages of 13 to 15, that drops to 9%. Mm -hmm. So this is an age where you know they have very challenging lives, but also they do want to be more active. And I think the simple answer to how do we encourage them back in is ask them. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things we do with Fit for Life is rather than creating physical activity programs for young people, we co-create. It's that co-creation bit that, that makes the, the big difference. They get to determine how that physical activity intervention looks, what it consists of. Mm -hmm. and, and we find that actually what young girls in particular want is very different to what's available okay. at, sport P, at, at school PE. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not expensive, it's not difficult, it's usually actually very straightforward. Um, and they'd be much more likely to get health benefits from it as well. It's usually much higher intensity mm. than the things they're doing at school. So Fit for Life is a community interest company, is yes. that right? And um, what's your kind of main project? And, and my big question is why why are you doing it? What drove yeah. you to do it? Okay. So so Fit for Life, yes, yeah, community interest companies, so it's a not-for-profit organization. And basically what we do is we co-create physical activity interventions with children and young people, and we work with groups of people who we think improving their physical activity levels will have a big impact. Mm -hmm. And the aims of those projects are not just to increase physical activity, or of course that's an important aim, but it's actually to raise their confidence, to raise their, their, their ambitions, because often certain groups of children don't have great ambitions, to supply them with positive role models, mm -hmm. um, and really just to empower them to mm -hmm. improve their own lives. And the reason it's something that's so important to me is that my own upbringing, so I grew up um, in, we didn't have a lot of money, single parent family, um, in a working class community. Um, I had poor health as a child, I was asthmatic, and I lacked confidence, I was very, very shy. And I think everything that I've achieved, in one way or another, it all links back to sport and physical activity. Mm -hmm. For me, it first came about when my, my paediatrician said to my mum, about the age of seven, Zoe would really benefit from finding some form of sport that she would enjoy. It's going to help her asthma, but it's also going to help her come out of her shell because she's <laughs> tragically shy, which I'm not anymore. <laughs> um, so dancing was the first thing yeah. that I did, and, and through sport and physical activity, I, I became competitive, which improved my academic achievement. Mm -hmm. I had friends that I've still got today that are the friends that I depend on and rely on. Um, and it's given me the opportunity to become a gladiator and, mm -hmm. and now be on TV as a doctor. So I want to, to take that to other children and young people mm -hmm. who I believe that physical activity is, is one of a number of things that, that, that can help them improve their aspirations and, and do better. And you mentioned role models there and I'd really like to kind of delve into that in a bit more depth really because I think that's something in 261 Phyllis was very aware of that our members 
um, are encouraging their, their children to be active and have a very powerful status as a role model. Who, who was your role model or role models, plural, grow, growing up? Um, I think I had, I had numerous role models in different ways and, and none of them were athletes actually. Mm -hmm. um, so my mum was a big role model, not because she wasn't into sport physical activity necessarily, but she was just a really strong woman who had a challenging life, who always found a way to overcome it with a smile. So she taught me that, yes, you can basically. Mm -hmm. In a world where I lived, where I was constantly told, no, you can't. Mm -hmm. She was always the one who said, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever you want to do. And those little things make such a huge difference. I've always mm -hmm. carried that with me. Um, my PE teacher, again, she was a yes, you can person. Um, and and I think I think my friends, mm -hmm. actually, my friends would take me along with them. I think surrounding yourself with people who are ambitious and who have similar similar ambitions to you is a great thing to do. But I always remember there was one, one woman in particular who I never actually even met, but she came into my school to give an inspirational talk. Um, I think I was 11 or 12, it was early on in secondary school. And she was the first female British astronaut to go to space. And I remember, I'll never forget, she stood at the front of the room and she said, never be told because you're a girl, you can't. Mm -hmm. Never be told you can't because you're a girl. Because you're a girl, never be told you can't. And that's always stuck with me. And there's so many times I've come back to that. And that 30 seconds or whatever it yeah. was has made a huge impact. Yeah. So I think role models are all around us. And sometimes it could be somebody through TV, it could be somebody on social media, mm -hmm. it could be a family member, um, or it could be an athlete or a pop star. Mm -hmm. And we're constantly being influenced by others. And in your kind of family, in your personal life, who are your role model to? Are you? Who am I role model to? Mm -hmm. I think in some ways I'm a role model to my whole family. Mm -hmm. um, I have a nephew who's seven. No, he's not seven, he's nine. Mm -hmm. uh, he's grown so fast. Um, I'd like to think that I'm a role model to him. Um, and then I'd like to think that within my family, yeah, in some ways or another, I'd like to think I'm a little bit of a role model mm -hmm. to everyone. I was the first one to go to complete university. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not from a family of, of doctors, so I hope I've shown other members of my family that, that they can succeed to the level I have or further. And I guess that you can be a role model to an older generation as well as a as well as a younger generation. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, with your high profile and kind of influential um, role that you have now, how does it, I mean, you are a role model to a wider audience than, than your personal life. How, how does that feel? Well, how can it put to me like that? <laughs> Sorry, it's you quite scary, isn't it? It's quite, wow, that's, that comes with responsibility, yeah. doesn't it? Um, but also, what a privilege, you know? I think for me, in my working life, I'm surrounded by incredibly inspiring people, but the majority of whom do come from a background of, of influence and haven't had the upbringing I've had and, and I work in a very deprived area of London as well and I see people living in poverty that I never experienced way below that so to have something in common with those people and be able to hopefully inspire people whether it's through the TV or through my work as a GP or mm -hmm. talking at conferences or through this um, to have a, an understanding of being on the same level of people who can really benefit from physical activity as a part of growing as a person mm -hmm. I think yeah, it is scary, but, but what a privilege to, mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And I feel the responsibility to do something good and something useful with it. 
So if, if younger people, um, girls in particular, are looking for a role model, how do they choose the right one or how do they not choose the wrong one? Because uh, yeah. there's a big risk there, isn't there, at the moment? I think, I think there is, especially with the world of social media. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of people on social media who maybe, you know, who, who maybe are portraying a lifestyle that isn't actually realistic mm -hmm. or achievable and if we're aiming to have a life like that person who isn't actually portraying their real life then that can just lead to disappointment. I was part, we did a little study on Trust Me I'm a Doctor actually about social media mm -hmm. and whether it has a positive impact or a negative mm -hmm. impact on mental health and what we found was that actually the answer to that is somewhat in your hands. If you look at a post and it makes you feel inspired, makes you feel good, you almost have to look at your own feelings, then, then that person's probably a good person to follow. But if you're following somebody on Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat, and you start to recognise that whenever you're looking at what that person's up to, you feel disconnected sure, or you yeah. feel bad or you feel you're not achieving, then maybe that's somebody you should unfollow. So mm -hmm. we, we have the power to determine how it influences. So I think somebody is, a, somebody is a positive role model if they make you feel that you can achieve. So we have this hashtag, Fit for Life, yes you can. Mm -hmm. And everybody should be made to believe that whatever situation they're in is based in front of them, yes they can. Whereas if a role model makes you feel, no you can't, then they're mm -hmm. not the right one. And I guess all of us can be role models for people around us, particularly for the uh, younger generation. Have you got any tips? What can we do to try and be good role models? Because we might not, many women watching this might not yeah. feel like they are a role model. What yeah. advice? Well, the first thing is we all are, hundred yeah. percent. Not just to, to our children, obviously, but to other women, to women in the street, to somebody coming along to a running club for the first time, to people in the workplace. We're all role modelling to people around us all the time, whether you know you offer to give up your seat to an elderly person mm -hmm. on the tube. Yeah. Um, so we're role models, role models, and I think being a good role model, one, firstly is recognising that and understanding that, and two, having an awareness of it and just thinking about, you know, what type of a role model do I want to be? And embodying that, because we're all incredible human beings, and we all have great potential and I think just viewing yourself as a role model and emulating the goodness that you want to give to others and share with others not only makes you a great role model but actually is really fulfilling, makes you a better person mm -hmm. and gives you a lot of happiness. But I guess everyone has bad days too yeah. so is it okay to share when it's not a good, I mean is that still being a positive still role model? It's still a role model isn't it? I think these, I mean what we were just talking about people having unrealistic lives that they, they, yeah. they share on social media, part of what can be damaging about that is that they're not being their true selves. So mm -hmm. I'll sometimes suppose if I'm having a bad day, I did a 12-hour day at work yesterday and mm -hmm. I felt a bit down about it, so I posted about that. So I think that in itself is being a role model, is saying, but always rather than just complaining and being, is being constructive about it, you could say, right, I had a really bad day today, yeah. da, 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 so therefore I'm going to go for a run to make myself feel better, or I'm going to have a glass of wine because that helps me relax, or you know, what are you going to do about it? So showing self-care and yeah. realising that that's, that's a positive, yeah. positive not selfish to take time for exactly. yourself. I think some of the people I find the most inspiring on social media I follow certain people who struggle with mental health and mm -hmm. they're very open about mm -hmm. their mental health. 
And some days, you know, it's really great and happy to see them have their good days, but they'll also share them today. I couldn't get out of bed till four o'clock. Mm -hmm. And they get lots of positive advice then from other people, but also we all have those days mm -hmm. and, and it is normal. And if we only share the good, it only isolates us and thinks that think, makes us mm -hmm. think we're the odd one out when we have the bad. So flicking slightly in, in topics, um, because I know that we'll have quite a lot of younger viewers watching this, especially the, the, the daughters of maybe our members of things around the world. Um, if there are younger women watching this who kind of think, oh yeah, I would really like to get active, but like you were saying, I feel a bit shy or uh, I don't know where to start. What, what advice would you give them? What can they actually do? Um, first thing is fun. If it's not fun, then you're probably not going to sustain it. And you know, who wants to do something that's not fun? So do something that's fun. And I think the second one is about being brave. Mm. Just be brave, just give it a go. Because I was a very shy child and there are moments where I still am terrified of the things I'm gonna do. But my kind of life motto is just do it. Mm -hmm. And you know, because the worst thing that can happen is you fall over, you fail, mm -hmm. and that's fine, you can handle that, not doing it is actually the worst thing that can happen. Mm. So there's something about being brave. And as women, we're very differently wired to men when it comes to that. And it's been shown in studies that men, if they fulfill 70% of the criteria for a job application, they'll go for the job. Women will only apply if they've got 100% of the criteria. So it's kind of ingrained in us socially, but also potentially biologically, um, that we're aiming to be perfect rather than be brave. So my advice to young women out there is just be brave. Thank you, thank you. And, and do you think the tide's turning? Do you think that we're at a point where young women are becoming more active in the, as a, in a nation or a, a world <laughs> that, that things are getting better? I think, we're, I think we're just about there, hopefully. I think we're just, I think we just might be at a tipping point mm -hmm. where for, I think, you know, young girls' voices are being listened to. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we see that in, you know, we're seeing female athletes on our screens now. We just have the Women's World Cup. Mm -hmm. And I was in America for some of it, and I was in England for some of it, and wherever I was, that was being celebrated. Yeah. People were watching it on the big screens. Yeah. And, and that's new, you know, this is the past year or two, we're seeing this shift. Mm -hmm. Those are incredible role models, obviously, for young women, but also the fact that that is happening and the general public are being interested in supporting mm -hmm. women in sport. I do feel like we're, we're at a tipping point, and it's exciting, and I just hope that we listen mm -hmm. to girls and young women and make the most of this tipping sure. point, this opportunity that we have. Absolutely, I thought we were part of tiny history. Um, I can just see that we've got some questions coming in here, so I'm just gonna have a quick look um, to see. Um, so Christina has asked, why do you think girls are less likely to be active as compared to boys? What's holding them back? Oh, and actually, Christina's absolutely right. They are significantly. Um, it's around, so I believe a lot of it is around social norms. When we're babies, historically, and I think it is changing now, but when we have babies, a boy is given a football the mm -hmm. second he can stand, and a girl is given a dolly. And it's sort of, we, we believe, you know, girls grow up being nurturing, and at school they sit around and make daisy chains and speak to each other and talk. And it is part of, as a woman, we are different, but 
boys, it's, the, it's normal. They're expected to run around and play football in the playground and girls are expected to sit down mm. and chat. So it starts early. It starts really, really early with what we believe is normal for us. Mm. But also I think when it comes down to sort of self-esteem and confidence issues, of course boys are affected by that as well, mm. but to a lesser extent. Mm -hmm. And you know, changing bodies, all of that is it is difficult. Mm. Okay, and we have one here that says, um, Katina says, are there differences in empowering women of different ages and what are they? Oh, yes, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I think, I think there's a, there are some similarities and I think, you know, fun is the thing that runs through for, for whatever age. Um, but I do, I do think there are, yeah. I think certainly when it comes to something that I do in my job a lot is work with the older population mm -hmm. and the older population are much less interested in being involved in physical activity mm -hmm. for the aesthetic side or, or even to you know reduce their risk of, of health problems mm -hmm. in the future because mm -hmm. they're towards the end of their life but things like social isolation so being mm -hmm. around other people um, independence maintaining independence and strength being able to look after themselves as we get to women sort of more our age who may have families and jobs and who are busy it can be about um stress relief it can be about convenience and again i think seeing friends and i think but i think the fun element is something that runs through whatever age physical activity has to be fun picking up on something you mentioned there stephen has actually sent a message and say um what does dr williams do if she feels overwhelmed I often feel overwhelmed. <laughs> what's, your, what's your emergency therapy? All the time. Emergency therapy for feeling overwhelmed. Um, actually sleep. Um, I'm very good at, when everything's a bit overwhelming, switching off by sleeping, I'm quite good at sleeping. But again, this is the perfect time when I would go for a run, which is something that 10, 15, even 20 years ago, the thought of going for a run to relax, no. Whereas now, running in nature with no phone um, is such a good stress reliever yeah. um, and really good for thinking. I kind of find it really helps clarify my thoughts. I'm not very good at mindfulness or meditation. I am working on that and I'm trying. But for me, running mm -hmm. in space without my phone is a form of meditation. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it does help me organise my crazy mm. thoughts. Kind of, yeah, mindful running in a way. Yeah. Um, so Michelle has asked, um, how important does the, does the team think it is for families to be active together? Is that something you encourage through your, your work as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, undoubtedly, the most important role models that children have Mm -hmm. are their parents um, and being active with their parents which is something I know you're really passionate about we were mm -hmm. chatting earlier and mm -hmm. that's something you really enjoy to do with your children um, we know from studies and evidence that if the, if the parents are active then the children that's the most important indicator for children to be active mm -hmm. so doing things as a family together I mean what better way to spend family time mm -hmm. is there than that it's probably one of the most important things Mm -hmm. I believe that the parents can, can do for and with their children. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Uh, we've got a few more, but we're, we're running out of time, but maybe we can find a way to go through these questions sort of later on. Sure. Um, I feel like we kind of scratched the surface of the topic, really. I know, it's gone quick. <laughs> yeah, really grateful to you for coming and talking to us and sharing your thoughts, and we can see what amazing work you're doing in all your roles, Thank Fit you. for Life, as a as a, an influencer and a, an amazing role model to me and to all of us. So thank you very much 
Dudley for joining us. It's been Thank a pleasure. You so much. Thanks for being such a lovely host, and oh. it's great to be learning more and more about the work that Tizzy Swan Fearless are doing as well. Oh, so thank awesome. you. Thanks for having me. And thank you everybody for joining us for our first 261 Fearless Empowerment Talk and we very much hope you'll tune into the next one later in September. Thank you very much. Goodbye everybody. Bye.